This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about onion rings. And I am so excited for this episode. It's 9.41 in the morning. I had a bowl of cereal about two hours ago. <laughs> I thought and you were saying I had a bowl of onion rings two hours God, ago. God, I wish. I really want onion rings right now. I have some in my freezer. Like frozen from the grocery store? Yes. Ah, cool. I've never... We'll oh, talk we'll, about this. We'll get to this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's let's go down your memory lane, Matthew. Okay, I have a lot of onion ring memory lane. This was absolutely one of my favorite treats as a kid. And it felt like a treat because, like, most fast food places don't have them. Burger King is the only major burger chain that has onion rings. And I love them. Oh, I was not aware of that. I mean, I do think of onion rings as, like, a a special thing. You know, French fries are everywhere. Onion rings are not. But I didn't realize Burger King was the only major chain. Yeah, and Burger King's onion rings are kind of weird. We'll probably talk about them more later, but they're made with like onion paste, which uh, is controversial, but I still like them. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm eager um, to hear more about this. I, and, the words onion paste just really Oh, yeah. Do it also, for me. also at Burger King, um, there's a secret menu item. If you order Frings, that's an order of half fries, half rings. Did you try this out before the episode? No, I read Just about to- it on, online, and, and like next time I go to Burger King, I'm for sure going to order Frings. Okay. But it's okay. just like, did we ever go to Most Burger in Japan? No. Okay. Because no. at Most Burger, which is a very good burger chain in Japan, they have the onipote, which is uh, onion potato, which is half oh. onion rings, half fries. I wish you could order it that way at Burger King in the US. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. They, I love that. Like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Um, what about like, you know, what about the next, what do you call the tier of restaurants that's like Chili's, um, fast casual, Applebee's fast casual. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think of, well, we'll get to my memory lane in a minute, but I think of onion rings as emblematic of the fast casual restaurant. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I think I've only been to Applebee's once, but I 
bet they've got onion rings on the menu at Applebee's. The one that I remember as a kid being absolutely like knocked on my ass by how cool it was, was the onion ring loaf at Tony Roma's. And Tony Roma's like a rib chain that I think just got, kind of got its lunch eaten by Chili's because it almost doesn't exist anymore. There's like seven U.S. locations remaining. It's a rib chain? God, I would have figured that it was like an Italian food. I know, it sounds like, right? I mean, it was, yeah. it was founded by an Italian-American guy, Tony Roma, but both Lori's family and my family separately, we didn't get together as children because we didn't know each other yet, uh, but it was like a celebration restaurant for both of our families. Um, okay. And I would get I would get ribs, and then we'd always get the onion ring loaf, which I think was like a precursor to the Chili's Awesome Blossom or the Outback. Or the Bloomin' Onion. Bloomin' Onion, yeah. Um. Okay, so you posted into or you you pasted into the agenda yeah. a photo. This this photo is of the Tony Roma onion loaf. Yeah, how big is this? I can't quite tell. It's like ten feet in diameter. No, it's like uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't remember. Like I I haven't is had it like since a I was a, a young plate? child, and so I remember it being enormous, like bigger than my head. It's probably no longer bigger than my head. And how does it work? Like, it, what what's going on here? What am I seeing on this plate? Can you describe so, it for our listeners? Okay. Have you ever seen a Texas donut, which no. is like just a big ass, like glazed ring don- donut? No. Okay. Well, imagine a <laughs> glazed donut, only like, you know, eight inches in diameter with a big hole in the middle. Okay. Okay. And now imagine that that is made of a bunch of onion rings, like pressed together and then fried all at once. So they stick together enough to form a loaf, but can still be separated by, by uh, pulling on an individual ring. And then there's some dipping sauce in the middle. I'm I'm curious about how they made this because it seems like like Tony Roma's had like uh, eight inch diameter tube pans. You know, yes. like you'd bake an angel food cake in like you take these onion rings or onion slices somehow and and like batter them or something. So they stick together, mold them into this thing and then unmold them into a fryer. I think you're giving this chain restaurant a lot of credit. I think it probably <laughs> came into the restaurant as a frozen ring and was put into the deep fryer. OK, but- fine. <laughs> But no, I, wonder, I think but I think we, the employees were painstakingly dipping each, uh, you know, lovingly <laughs> dipping each ring of onion and then like pressing it into this uh, angel food cake pan. You have to cool it upside down so yeah. it doesn't lose its loft. And you have to use a special. Did your family ever have like an angel food cake cutter? It looks like a like a comb with a long handle, like a comb oh. with long metal tines. And I, then it's on like a long handle. I'm sure my mom made angel food cake when I was a kid, but I don't remember a special cutter. But I think we probably had the pan. Okay, but hold on. Back to this Tony Roma yeah, thing. Yeah. So it, you remember how when we did the chicken nugget episode, we talked about how, you know, the the chicken nuggets for McDonald's were like specially engineered by some company and they're made, you know, of course, especially for McDonald's, right. et cetera, right? So do we think that there's some company out there that Tony Roma's hired to develop the onion loaf and they supply the onion loaf to Tony Roma's? Well, I think yes, and that raises a really interesting question, which is, okay, so Tony Romas has the onion loaf. That We talked about how Chili's has the awesome blossom and Outback has the blooming onion, which may or may not be considered onion rings, but close enough, right? Oh, uh, the blooming onion is onion rings, please. Okay, great. Thank you. It's, so a fried, if, it's a fried onion thing. Yeah, so if you and I wanted to develop our own 
signature fried onion appetizer. Could we go to this company and say, like, create the the spilled milk, like, you know, onion fuck boy or whatever? Like, I. Yeah, that's what that that's what that hole in the middle is for. <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah, you know, you know, some some like frat guy stuck his dick in the middle of the uh, uh, the Tony Roma's onion ring loaf, God. probably without letting it cool. Matthew, I can't believe you took it that far. I was just leaving it to like let the reader or the listener, as they You're were, right. fill it in. Oh yeah, they're gonna <laughs> fill it in. I don't know. I guess uh, you know, it it the pandemic is waning in uh, in our part of the world and like everybody's looking forward to to uh, you know that horny <laughs> summer where we're all going to go like stick something in an onion loaf. <laughs> well, happy June 10th or, everybody. Uh, Here um, we are. It's it's June. What are you doing this month? Or like have something stuck in our onion ring loaf, like whatever. Yeah. I mean, we are equal, we're switches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We go we go blooming and awesome blossom. Okay. Okay. All right. How about you? What's your what's your onion ring memory lane? So, I don't remember eating many onion rings as a kid. Um I do remember so I did go to a lot of fast casual restaurants as a kid because we drove a lot of places mm-hmm. in the summer, like driving to Colorado or driving to Albuquerque or like that kind of thing. And I have no sense of how far those places are from Oklahoma. feels ah, pretty far. Well, so Albuquerque is an eight hour drive from Oklahoma City. Denver is a 12 hour drive from Oklahoma okay. City. We would also drive to various places in Texas. We drove a lot of places. It's weird to think about because you know how on the East Coast, everything is like relatively close together. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? And and yet... I was just having this conversation with uh, with, with my family uh, because because uh, teenager of the show December brought this up that uh, uh-huh. that there's so many states crammed in there and uh, we were like yeah people people in New England just like accidentally wander into Vermont sometimes yeah I mean like I was just reading I think I've mentioned on the show that I was just reading Donald Hall's extremely wrenching memoir about his life with Jane Kenyon and her death. Mm-hmm. I always love to talk about this on a no, comedy listen, this show. No, listen, this is our new segment. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's how obsessed is Molly with Jane Kenyon this week? Well, I think it's going to be like, that, that'll that be like, the, like what kicks it off, but it's going to be a general uh, purpose segment about dealing with our own mortality through poetry. Oh, God, this is going to be so funny. I can't wait. Yeah, you're going to share some of your favorite poets. I'm going to share some, some uh, like, uh, Nas lyrics. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we'll just take it from there. Have you heard of this guy, Lil Nas X? <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, just, I just wanted to remind you in case you forgot the last time I reminded he, he you and, about he it. He and original Nas uh, collaborated on a track. It's like like double more Nas than you can handle, probably. Oh, that's great. Um, anyway, let's let's get back to reflecting on geography. This yeah. Is okay. Right. Right. So. Oh, yeah. So. Segment. So. New England. Everything smooshed together. Yeah. So, uh, for some reason, even though things are not smooshed together in like the the Great Plains where I grew mm-hmm. up, there like a train service is like a non-existent thing, and so if sure. you weren't gonna fly. Somewhere, if you wanted to have a car when you got there and you didn't want to pay for a rental car, you would drive there, even though it was going to take like a minimum of eight hours. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the great American road trip, right? That's true. Yeah. I don't know. We would we would go to like Bend, Oregon. Wow, that was so far away from Portland. <laughs> it felt really far when I was a kid. It was probably four hours. When I was a kid, 
when I was a kid, my parents decided that like the big family vacation was going to be that they were going to rent a house like uh, in the San Diego area and then kind of invite like all other family members to come see them there. You know, this, that sounds great. Right. Yeah. I was like six years old. And I remember we so we drove from Oklahoma to Southern California. All right. I mean, I remember this so vividly because we drove through a lot of like summertime thunderstorms, like on the plains. Oh, God, that sounds and so terrifying. great. Like all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's like, it's yeah. so dark outside in the middle of the day and it's terrifying. And I, there was so much listening to Diana Ross because that was yes. what my parents enjoyed. There was also a lot of that uh, album where Placido Domingo was singing with like John Denver. We've talked about this oh, we've I've this before. I'd never heard of it until you brought it up last time. Yeah, and now I'm obsessed yeah. There was with it. so yeah. much of this on on our never ending journey west. <laughs> you know what that reminds you of? Because I remember talking about last time how like like you know objectively Placido Domingo is is like in a different class of like singing than John, than Denver. John Denver. Not that John Denver is bad. They're just kind of playing different games. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, you know, so it would be like um, you know I've mentioned that I have a coworker who won a Grammy. <laughs> For for uh, like jazz vocal. Oh um, my god, we should link to him, Deshaun. We, right? We absolutely should link to to a Deshaun performance. Okay. Uh, if he and I collaborated on a song, which could happen. Oh my uh, god! It would be kind of like Placid Domingo and John Denver, except that one one of us is not as good as John Denver. <laughs> I think that you guys should totally do one out of the Placido Domingo John Denver repertoire. This is a oh. I've been thinking about this because, like, he said he was open to the idea. I don't know if this will actually happen. Not not specifically to the Placido Domingo John Denver no, idea. No, no, no. Just, like, collaborating on something. But, of course, I'm very intimidated by this prospect. Yeah. But if if we could do it as kind of like a joke where, where like, uh, I mean, the, the problem is he's a, he's a bass baritone. So oh. we'd have to, uh, like, transpose you're, you're the gonna song. Sound, you're going to sound terrible on, on this. This is going to be amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What? What? No. There was like a particular song that you've mentioned. Like um, love is uh, something, right? Perhaps love. Perhaps love. Oh, that's the name of the album, right? I think so. But there's also okay. a song. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Go look it up when the episode's I am, over. I am definitely going to, to propose this to okay. Sean. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right. But hold on. Back to onion rings because the reason I got into all of this was because you know. When you're driving to these various destinations, you can always count on like chilies or Applebee's yes. or, you know, in addition to Ruby fast food. Tuesdays. I don't know if yes. that existed yet when we were kids. Yeah. But if you want to, you know, like maybe let's say you pick up lunch TGI and eat it Fridays. on the road. TGI Fridays. Yes. Yeah. But with for dinner time, I think of us like stopping somewhere and getting out of the yeah. car and eating dinner. Anyway. This was probably the first time I ever encountered onion rings, other than on television with the Outback Steakhouse Bloomin' Onion right. uh, ads, right? Anyway, that said, I think that I was like, I was a very timid eater as a kid, and I don't think I wanted to eat onion rings, so I don't think I did. Okay. Well, do you remember the first time you ate one as an adult? No. Okay. That said, I have a spouse, and this okay. is what this is why people get married. <laughs> oh, so must that be nice. you can borrow your spouse's memory lane. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My spouse has very fond memories of the onion rings from Carl's Jr. And, oh, yeah. And again, like, you know, I didn't I didn't ask them this cuz I I hadn't thought about or it hadn't really occurred to me 
yeah, how difficult or how rare it was to find a fast food establishment with onion rings, right? So Ash, when they were talking about their love for Carl's Jr. as a kid, they they described it as being like that was what they always wanted at Carl's Jr., but yeah. like as though they like didn't always get it. So I'm I'm not clear on this. Maybe it was well, like a treat for them too, like you said it was for you. Or maybe like when sometimes with sides, like even in a fast food context, when you're a kid, you're going to share the sides. And so you might not uh, be able to like select your own and have to negotiate with the family. Totally. Totally. sucks. Yeah. God. Siblings. Uh, Yeah. But there was a Carl's Jr. in downtown Portland when I was in high school, but I never went there. I think because there was a McDonald's nearby that was cheaper. Yeah, I don't remember there being a Carl's Jr. in Oklahoma City growing up, and we were a real Wendy's family. So anyway, I think that um, when I I never think to order onion rings, but when I am with someone else who orders onion rings, I'm always like, oh, yeah, those things. And then I'm really (laughs) excited about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like even I like as a as a real onion ring stan. Uh, nice. Wow. Wow. You are hip. I don't have them very often because I don't make them at home hardly ever. And most places don't serve them. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, you know, we'll get back to eating onion rings. But first, yes. let's just talk about onion rings as a concept and uh, and their history, perhaps. Okay. This was pretty interesting. So a couple of things. So onion rings have been around for quite a while because you just like slice an onion and batter and fry it. Mm-hmm. So I kept running across this recipe from a cookbook that may have been published in 1801 or 1802. Uh, accounts vary. John Mollard's The Art of Cookery Made Easy and Refined. I am surprised that there isn't a recipe that shows up earlier, given that like when we did mozzarella sticks, which are basically like yes. the mozzarella version of onion rings, <laughs> those, true. those like date back to like like the 14th century or something. Yeah, but or it's, it's hard to know does. like if they really would have been recognizable as the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, fried but cheese is a, is a big category. Mozzarella stick is a... A, a skinny yeah, and I just and had a category. realization that I will share in a moment. So, so okay, okay. there's this recipe from from this 1802 cookbook for fried onions with Parmesan cheese that reads just like a modern onion ring recipe. And in fact, the more I looked at it and looked at like this like oldie English typography that it was set in that looked like it was done with like PageMaker, it seemed kind of too perfect. Like okay. uh, that that I don't know if this Do onion ring got, recipe. Did you get yeah. punked? I think I might have gotten punked by okay. by the ghost of John Mollard. But okay. you know what I realized just now? So tempura has been has been, you know, part of Japanese food since like the 18th century. Okay. Um, so it it uh, it came from from uh, the Portuguese. You know, as long as there's been tempura, presumably there's been onions involved. Yes. And like usually when you get onion tempura, it's like it's more like a a small wedge of onion that's that's been fried. Not necessarily a ring, but A, that seems close enough. If we're considering an awesome blossom, an onion ring, like a little wedge of battered and fried onion is an onion ring. And presumably, like, you know, if people were doing onion wedges, sometimes they do onion rings also, right? Sure. So I'm going to say onion rings originated in Japan in the 18th century. Oh, good. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. All right. Um, Okay. And then when did they get big, though? Okay, so in America, they got big in like the 30s and 40s, and they were closely associated with uh, this now 
almost defunct chain called Kirby's Pig Stand, which was founded in Dallas in 1921 and expanded throughout Texas and to lots of other states. And like it was biggest in the 40s and 50s and went out of business in the 2000s. Although there is one single holdout location in San Antonio that's called San Antonio Pig Stand. And onion rings were like, it seemed like from the accounts that I read, like onion rings were as big as fries at this place. Wow. It was like a signature item. You know, we should consider having a corporate retreat in San Antonio. Yeah, we could go to the River Walk. We could. Uh, we could we go could, to the San Antonio Pig Stand. We go to the San Antonio Pig Stand. Those are the main things. Yeah, I've been to San Antonio, but not for a long time. Did you go to the Pig Stand? No, but we did drive there. Did you do a keg stand? No, I think I was a child. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still I don't really know what a keg stand is. Me neither. I've never done one. Um, okay. <laughs> Me neither, but I'd probably be very good at it. Oh, yes. I mean, especially all, all that yoga you did in 2020 and injured your back. I mean, my yoga mat, yeah, it's still curled up. It's still rolled up behind the chair in the living room. Uh-huh. I could probably use that like to brace myself for the keg stand. Okay. Whatever it is. Oh, man, I can't. There's so many things we're going to try when we start taping together in person again. Oh, we're going to do like all <laughs> we're going to do keg stands. We're going to get one of those novelty beer hats. Oh, with, God. Where you put, yeah. We're also uh, we're also going to be taping calzones together. That's going to be yes. the first episode we tape together. <laughs> first so episode, let's we're going to take two calzones and we're going to tape them together. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really, do we should we eat the calzones before or after the keg stand? <laughs> I'm going to say after, because otherwise <laughs> I think they're just going to like come back up, right? Okay, okay. Um, so Matthew, Or down. Do you stand on your head? I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand. Maybe some listeners can write in and tell us. I mean, I've always thought of it as a handstand, but people are not good at handstands. No, there was just a time naturally. in my life when I was trying to learn to do a handstand and I never succeeded. You've done one like against a wall though, right? Where you like uh, kick yeah, up against- Yeah, that does not count. That's oh. that's cheating. Okay. Um, and I could do it to where I could hold it for like a second, but then, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So um, Matthew, you have mentioned a couple times like making onion rings at home, which is something yeah. I would never think of doing. So tell me more about this. <laughs> okay, I haven't done it in a while, but there are two onion ring recipes that I've made at home. Okay. Um, and uh, first, I want to I want to share something that I learned from Wikipedia about why onion rings are so tasty. Oh, okay. It's because the cooking process decomposes propane thiol, thiol ac- oxide in the onion into the sweet smelling and tasting bispropanyl disulfide, p- responsible for the slightly sweet taste of onion rings. So does it like does is that also part of what is that also like a flavor compounding caramelized onions? I think so. Okay. I mean I think it's exactly the same thing that happens when you saute onions. Okay. When you just um, cook okay. onions in What's general. That? When you cook onions. Or just in when general. you cook onions in general. Yeah, okay. actually I made some I made some homemade pizza sauce this morning that's like sitting and cooling on the stove and like just threw a couple of uh, of quartered onions in there. It smells real good. Wait a minute, uh, Matthew. Wait, I have a quick question. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. um, okay, so I made chicken stock in the Instant Pot yesterday. Oh, I'm so glad this question isn't about propane thiol oxide. Yeah. <laughs> I made chicken stock in the Instant Pot yesterday. All right. And most recently before that, we had made like shrimp scampi. And before that, it was like um, it was like uh, dal from that wonderful Indian, um, the wonderful Indian Instant Pot cookbook. Yeah. Anyway, 
All this to say, the gasket on my Instant Pot smells like the most unholy combination of foods. What do I do? I mean, I don't think... Like, like, did like you, the did you... smell is like, even after we've washed it with soap, and it's been like this for a while, but we just kind of put the lid back on the Instant Pot and ignore it. But like, even just leaving the gasket out on the dish drainer long enough for it to dry, like the smell was disgusting. What do we do? I think you have to get a new gasket. I mean, I, is, I don't think Is this think like it's... if you spill milk in the car and you have to just get a I new car? I think it's car? like if you spill milk in the car, except much cheaper. <laughs> Okay. Because okay, like, all right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. <laughs> okay, because I'm trying to like talk like like internet and podcast at the t- same time. I just got on Amazon and searched for Amazon. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Guess what, Matthew? You already have it. <laughs> all right. It looks like you can get a an instant pot ceiling ring for like eleven dollars. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I'll just get a new one. Well, what have I mean, you done? Like, surely you've made a lot of weird, stinky stuff. I mean, stuff. I didn't make scampi, but but yeah, like, I think I just don't care. Oh my God, but like, seriously, it was making like half of our kitchen smell weird. Like the half where the gasket was. I don't know, like, is it dishwasher safe? Would that make a difference? Look it up. Will you Google it for me? Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's, this is our, okay. uh, so go everybody's to Google, favorite segment. Go to segment. Google and enter Google. People, people are like, what's a segment that would be more entertaining than the one where they watch a cute animal video, but we can't see what they're seeing? Yeah. It's the one where Matthew Googles stuff at Molly's request because there's no other way to, to make this happen. Uh, what about, okay, uh, instant pot, pot gasket, in the dishwasher. dishwasher safe. Oh, the instant, okay, listen to this. Okay. How to clean your smelly Instant Pot ceiling ring. Yes, The Instant yes. Pot's rubber ceiling ring takes on smell like a school-issued soccer jersey, not yes. a breathable fabric. Thank you. Yes. It's dishwasher safe, and most of the time, that gets the scent out. So oh, just my God. Okay. Stick it in the silent partner, quiet partner, and mm. get the lead out. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's keep going on onion rings. Make them at home, Matthew. Tell me about it. All right. So can you cook onion rings in the dishwasher? We're going to find out. Uh, <laughs> Stay tuned. So my favorite onion so ring recipe. First you pour that, a bunch of oil in the, on in, the floor yes, that's right. of the dishwasher. Well, no, there's, a, then... there's a special compartment for it. You. You'll unscrew the little thing and you pour oil in there. Oh, and I've been putting rinseed the in there. Weird. Should I have been no, putting no, oil in? It depends what you're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go on. Go on. Go on. The idea okay. of putting oil in the dishwasher is so disgusting. <laughs> it would just be like, can, can you imagine? Like, it would be like, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a, <laughs> A rainstorm where where like you know uh, like little tiny like like misty rain, but it's oil, <laughs> cloudy with a chance of hot fat. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my favorite onion ring recipe that we've made at home several times is from uh, Lorna Yee. Can we call Lorna a friend of the show? A friend of the show, sure. Okay. From her book, The Newlywed Kitchen. And I have not made it recently, but I've made it many times. And uh, it is, it's a, it's a pretty basic onion ring recipe. You, uh, you, you dredge, you, you don't dredge, you, you, you batter the onions uh, and, uh, and fry them in a relatively shallow amount of oil, which is nice because I don't like disposing of a large amount of oil. Okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> of course, when I do, I just pour it in the dishwasher and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've talked about this before. Did you ever see 
I think we actually shared this on the on the in the show notes at one time in the past. There was this dishwasher commercial where a person puts a cake in the top rack of the dishwasher and then runs it, and at the end, it's it's vanished. It's I the think best I do remember that, seen. but I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show. And or I don't if... think it works with oil. It probably <laughs> doesn't even work with cake. Also, like, wouldn't you just eat the cake? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, why not just eat the cake? I mean, what a waste. So Lorna's cookbook is great. It also has our favorite biscuit recipe. I checked and it's still in print. Um, and uh, so I will we'll link to that book. Great. The other one that uh, recipe that I could not find like freely available online, but it's behind the Cook's Illustrated paywall is this baked onion ring recipe or they call it oven fried onion rings, which sounds like not promising. Right. But you sort of make a paste of crushed kettle chips and saltines and use that to bread the onion rings and cook them in a fairly large amount of oil in a pan in the oven. And it's not really any easier than making onion rings on the stovetop, and it's still messy, but you can do, they are very tasty, and you can do a bunch of them at once, more so than if you're deep frying on your stove. Wow. Okay. I'm glad that you added this last bit at the end, because it helped me understand why I would want to do this. Like, I, I, I can't. Well, you don't. You don't have to make onion rings at home. It's optional. Well, no, but I <laughs> like the idea. They repealed that law years ago. They, they repealed like, that amendment. I liked the idea of baking them because I don't have a, um, I don't have a hood over my stove, and anything that I cook on the stove that has a strong odor, like it just lingers. It's like everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the oven, it, like, produces slightly less odor, like, slightly. So that's the only reason that I could think of until you at the end said you could do, like, a lot of onion rings this way. Cause yeah, certainly... I mean, this is a fun recipe, and you can, like, tell your guests, like, you'll never guess what's in the coating. It's crushed kettle chips and saltines. Oh, I love playing that game with my guests. Mm-hmm. You'll never guess what's in the coating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, they, you'd think they would get tired of it, playing they that don't. game eventually. But no, it's it's the best party game, that yeah. and Monopoly. <laughs> okay. okay. A game um, no one's ever gotten tired of. What about what about beer batter? Why? So, you know, I, I know that, like, beer, beer battering things is a thing. But why is it a thing? I I found an article about this in Scientific American. Yes. Which okay. made me so happy. We'll link to okay. it. Uh, so according to Scientific American, beer batters are great for many reasons. So there's the presence of CO2, um, which, which lightens the batter. And this is often used uh, when making tempura batter, just using seltzer uh, mm-hmm. or club soda for the batter, just to like, you know, introduce bubbles and keep it light. There's foaming agents that help keep the CO2 in solution. And so... I didn't really understand the explanation there, but something about the fact that there are foaming agents in beer, like, uh, you know, makes the makes the gas escape more slowly. And so more of it mm. like gets gets retained as bubbles in the in the breading. Mm. And there's Is this alcohol. Like a, surf, like a surfactant. Or it's something. like a surfactant. Yes. <laughs> I love us. Kudos. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's got alcohol, which boils at a lower temperature than water, so it like fluffs up faster, and it has the flavor. So beer battering, okay. good idea. So, Matthew, you've written on the agenda here the onion pull-out problem. Yes, I never heard it called that until yesterday or Saturday. Teenager of the show, December, and I were eating uh, onion rings at the park. Oh, I get it. And, when, and when they the, said... When it pulls yeah. out. 
And they when said, are you going to talk about the onion pullout problem? And I'm like, I've never heard it called that before. And I didn't like it when you said it. But yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is there another term we could use for it? Like um, the um, like when the, the batter separates from the onion. <laughs> But it's not just because sometimes the batter kind of falls off, which is really bad. That's what so batter falling off is what happened last night when Ash and I had some onion rings from Red Mill. Yeah, that that is a characteristic of those onion rings, I think, because they're more of like a cornmeal-y batter. But this this is like when when you take a bite and all the onion comes out of the ring on the first bite. Uh, A friend of the show, Kenji Lopez-Ald, calls it the worm. But that's also a nickname Mm -hmm. for Dennis Rodman. That's also a dance. That's also move. yeah. It's also a dance move. Okay, so okay. yeah. So what we need to come up with with like the official name for this. Okay, the canonical so, name. So what does Kenji Lopez Alt say about um, you know how this could be avoided or what causes it? Okay, so in the book The Food Lab, he talks about the four deadly sins of onion rings, and oh I, I want to go God. through all of them because okay. one of them I did. I still don't don't totally understand. <laughs> Okay. But uh, there's uh, too little batter, so the onion burns. Okay. Too much batter, so it's thick and soggy. Okay. The split shell, which is when there's enough batter, but oil gets in and burns the onion, and the batter kind of uh, splits open. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. And the worm, aka the pullout. So he attributes that to undercooking the onion, so it's not tender enough to bite through. I get that. Okay. And okay. He- what he recommends to avoid this is to freeze the onions to tenderize them. So some of the cells split open when the water inside them expands. And ah. it makes for an onion texture texture that you would not enjoy like like in, you know, a salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but works really well for onion rings. Mm-hmm. And then freezing also makes it easier to remove that like thin little membrane between the layers. I was wondering layers, about this. Right? Yes, that apparently it does make better onion rings if you remove the if remove the membrane because like it it like it tends to separate like as as it's cooking and that can like cause the the shell to split open. Oh, this makes sense that there'd yeah. be a little bit of air or water or something between the membrane and yeah. the, the the onion meat. Yeah. I love onions. Onions are such a cool vegetable. Onions are amazing. When I, I mean, and 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 friend. Shout out to alliums everywhere. Yeah. No. No. Just onions. The, oh. rest, the rest of them can bite me. Oh, fine. I know you love shallots, though. Don't even. I start. love shallots, but okay. You know, when, shallots are just kind of like like uh, onions, like hourglass shaped onions. That's not really what they're shaped like at all. What? It's exactly the opposite. What's the opposite of an hourglass? Um, uh, they are a um, pear shaped. No, that implies that they're like uh, you know more plump at one end, and that mm. they come to sort of a tip. Yeah, which, that's which true. sometimes they do. They they yeah, do. That's true. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Okay. Um, what about okay, this is onion on, onion episode, not a shallot episode. Yeah, screw it. Um, so what about commercial, like, like frozen onion rings that you could buy at the grocery store? Okay. I got some of these. Uh, I went to Safeway and I was like, what onion rings do they have? And they had one that looked appealing, which was the Nathan's Famous brand thick sliced frozen onion rings. Like the and hot so dog I, company. Yes. The hot dog company. Okay. Uh, and so I, I got them, I brought them home and I cooked them in the oven as you do. And uh, they stuck to the pan like crazy. I don't know why. Next time I would use parchment, I guess. 
<laughs> feels really weird to pull out parchment for making frozen onion rings, but they were very good. They were like, I expected them to be kind of like mushy and freezery, but they were not. You know, somehow I'm so I, I've never bought like a frozen fried food, like like French fries or whatever. And what about frozen, not even frozen nuggets? No, I've never bought frozen nuggets. You so, never bought fro nugs? I've never bought fro nugs. So I'm confused about like, so do you not fry these things? No, they they already have like a, they, they probably get sprayed with oil before freezing would be my guess. And so there's already a little oil on them. Okay. And you just put them on a baking pan and bake them until they're done. And this is the case with, like tater with, frozen, with frozen fries as well. Yes. Oh. You bought tater tots, right? I've never bought tater tots. Oh, wow. Every time I think this well <laughs> is going to run dry someday, like the well of, of like things Stuff that you've I never done. done. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to keep sending you... How can, how can we like really make this well metaphor break? Like you're gonna like dip the bucket down in the well and like pull up like the ne- the next experience that you need to have. Yeah. Okay. Um. What about when you eat onion rings? Do you like to have them on their own? I know that you know there there's some like I think we should say I think we should acknowledge that fried onions show up on top of a lot of things like yeah like. like French's fried onions, like in a in a can oh, yeah. type thing, right? So, I mean, I do think that like fried shallots or fried onions can show up on top of a salad or things like that. But uh, that's not an onion ring. Do you want your onion no, ring just on its, it's not own, breaded, or do you want it like with something? Do you want it with a burger? Well, I I love onion rings as a burger side dish. I will happily eat onion rings as a snack, which I did yesterday and might do again today. I love an onion ring on a burger. Mm. It's not every mm. time I have a burger, certainly, but like as a special treat. Like I, I did this uh, uh, on Saturday because we went to Little Woody's in Seattle and got cheeseburgers and onion rings, and I put an onion ring on my burger. And they even sell a burger, the Pendleton, that that comes with an onion ring as a standard topping. So wait, what did you have on on your burger there the other day? You had an onion ring, and what else? Yeah, I had uh, Tillamook cheddar. Mama Lil's peppers and barbecue sauce. That sounds pretty good. It was lot, very good. A lot of tang. A lot of tang there. And it, it's similar to this like monstrosity of a burger that I used to get when it was a specialty, like a like a limited edition item at Burger King for a while. I know we've talked about this before. Um, it was the bullseye barbecue, like the barbecue double. Okay. And it was it was a long bun, like the size of like a like a sandwich roll. Okay. And it had two burger patties side by side. Okay. And barbecue sauce, bacon, onion rings, and cheese. Wow. Okay. And so, to be clear, you could have had all the same stuff on a single, like, hamburger bun. Right. But this was long. Oh, I get it. Because size matters. Only length. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you heard Mm -hmm. it here first. Okay. Matthew, I have to say, so, you know, you did the research on this episode, as I think our listeners understand, but you did not put dipping sauces on the agenda. And when I got around to looking at your agenda, I was like, what kind of BS is this? Like, no dipping sauces? I have no excuse. Should I, should I resign from the show? Yes. I'm going to, everybody, this is my show now. God, Are you going to hold so like a reality boring. show competition to replace me? No, because I would gonna, watch that. I'm just going to do it by myself um, because, as we've established, I'm I'm so good at vamping. 
Okay. It's going to be a whole show where I just vamp, like waiting for you to come back into the room. <laughs> Spilled vamp? Oh, yeah, but but you'll be waiting a long time because you fired me. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. All right. No, I want to see this reality show that it's going to periodically like cut to me, like sadly sitting at home alone watching the show, like wishing I could like participate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, they do interview segments with me, like, what do I think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. 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 So, listener, if if you want to be if you want to be in the running, uh, uh, if you want to audition for the for the reality show to replace me as host because I got fired for not putting dipping sauces on the onion ring agenda, uh, email contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Should we should we ask people to send us like an audition like an audition tape? Yeah, send us like your <laughs> sizzle reel. I can't wait. Be sure, like, uh, like throw in a bunch if, of spilled milk in jokes and bonus points if you do a dance routine. Yeah, like the worm or the pull out. <laughs> or... <laughs> okay, wait a minute, Matthew. I'm just going to talk about dipping sauces now because okay, you are please, not please taking the hint. Okay, so. Um, so Have I ever taken the hint? Sometimes. So I just okay. keep holding out hope that you will. All right. Anyway, um, so last night, Ash and I got um, onion rings from Red Mill. Ash got some, they're like Red Mill secret sauce, which to me is kind of. Um, well, it's a like light peachy colored mayonnaise with like um, barbecue sauce kind of splopped in it. Okay. I don't know if it's like Thousand Island dressing mixed with barbecue sauce or I don't know what the heck Could is going be. on there, but it's really tasty. Uh, Ash also got some ranch dressing. And then, of course, we had ketchup at home so we could try all of these different things. I personally didn't even want to get my onion ring near ketchup. Okay. I did enjoy the ranch dressing, but somehow I, it didn't need it. I enjoyed the barbecue sauce situation more than I expected. I would have thought that like the sweetness of onion ring and the sweet and tanginess of barbecue sauce was too much, but it was not. Yeah, that is my, f- like, I love barbecue sauce, as you know. Uh, that's definitely my favorite thing to dip an onion ring in. I did that yesterday. And I, I think that, that's what the onion loaf of Tony Roma's came with because it was a barbecue restaurant and they had a lot of barbecue sauce around. Weird. Well, I looked up like dipping sauces for onion rings to see if people have strong opinions about these things. And, and time it turns and out again, they don't. Time and again, what happened was um, I got various versions of people's recipe for the um the tony romas or the outback steakhead outback <laughs> steakhead <laughs> that's, that's if you All go right. to outback too too that's often. right well well you need to sit down like uh i have, I have some <laughs> serious news to share with you uh, we've diagnosed you with outback steakhead <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Anyway, it seems like people really love whatever the sauce is that comes with the Outback Steakhouse Bloomin' Onion. That makes and sense. And so there are a lot of recipes out there for people trying to duplicate it. So um, anyway, the, the the gist of it is like mayonnaise, ketchup, creamed horseradish. Okay. Paprika, salt, oregano, and some cayenne. And I can't quite picture what this tastes like, but it seems... What do you it's think? all classic Australian seasonings. <laughs> Um, yeah, like that's the kind of thing that I wish I liked. I should, I should probably like, like, you know, make a self-improvement project to like learn to like, like burger sauce type of sauces because they come on everything and and I don't like them very much. You've probably never had the secret sauce at Red Mill. I have. I've had the mill sauce. Like sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to go for it. And like, it's always like, you know, fine. Why did I do that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's. It, I never experienced like you know pangs of regret, okay. but I would. I like the burger better without it. Huh. So you would you I wouldn't know. go like no condiment. I I usually like 
like I, I'm happy with a with a burger without sauce or with barbecue sauce. Huh. Or A one sauce. I don't know if I've ever had A one sauce. We didn't do a steak sauce episode? I don't know. It's if we Matthew, didn't, we we've been do doing a... this show for eleven years. I know. How am I supposed to remember all this stuff? You're not. I mean, we've we've probably This is like, what the probably... internet is for. Yeah, exactly. Probably we did an episode where you bought tater tots and you forgot that. <laughs> I've got Outback Steakhead. <laughs> you, got, you got a, a very serious case of Outback Steakhead. Well, this seems like a good reason to go on into segments. Matthew, All do right. we have any spilled mail this week? We do. It's from uh, listener Liz who says, longtime listener from Newcastle, Australia. Oh, my God. First time emailer. I Just wonder. Finished. I wonder if listener lid. Listener lid. <laughs> listener lid. I wonder if listener Liz has Outback steak. <laughs> Everybody in Australia does. It's okay. I think there are actually Outback steakhouses in Australia, like as like a novelty thing. Go on. Okay. Uh, just finished listening to the Chicky Nugs episode. Up there with your loosest episode ever. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment I, uh, I think. And understandably you've talked a lot about life in the before through this and other recent episodes given there's hope on the horizon i've got a two question spectacular for you both number one what will be your ideal first brave new world meal can be completely wild and overseas or a local achievable option oh man and should, should we answer that and then go on oh, to number two yeah okay matthew you go first well, I mean, first of all, you and I recently had a meal together. We did. Uh, outside a restaurant, which was really wonderful. It was delightful. The weather was perfect. Um, we we went to... Um, Manau Na- Thai Street Food yeah. in Seattle. And we had like pork belly with gailan or something. Mm-hmm. We had pad thai. I mean, it didn't entirely feel like... And we had each like- other. And we had each other. And I had a lime LaCroix and and we had some and moments I of awkward silence, water. but we got through it and <laughs> yep. and that was pretty ideal for me. Um, yeah, we're swiftly approaching the, the first uh, in-studio recorded episode in over a year. I can't I remember think, why we've set the date for when we have. Uh, for when school is over. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, okay. So we don't so we don't interfere uh, with uh pedagogy and it's going to be a weird episode it's it the one where we're, we're going to tape two calzones together <laughs> and then we're going to do a cake stand yeah. okay anyway that felt like a bit of a cop-out of an answer but i have an answer I have, I have like a more big picture answer which is like all i've been able to think about for like months is when will i next be able to eat a glazed pond de ring at mr donut yeah. like that's how i will know like like, I feel like there was a time there when I felt like this might not ever happen again. Yeah. Um, and now I'm feeling optimistic that it will. I don't know when, but, like, just imagining myself, like, like sitting in the Mr. Donut in Nakano, like, breaking off a piece of Pondering, which is a chewy glazed donut. That's that's the thing that fills me with more hope than anything else. So Ash and I didn't didn't go on a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. After we got married. Um, and so our our big plan is to go to Greece at some point whenever yes. we can, which is actually where we... Uh, where you first, got engaged? The first place we ever traveled together oh, okay. out of the country. And it's where we got engaged uh, in 2018. And anyway, 
we, when we were there, we had sort of this daily routine of like kind of sleeping in a bit and eating breakfast um, at in our hotel room, just like yogurt and coffee and writing in our in our journals what we had done oh. the day before. And uh, which I, I only ever do journals like that on vacations. Oh, same here. Yeah. Um, and then we would get in this like tin can of a rental car we had and we would drive um, to our favorite beach and on the way we would stop at the bakery and we would get what they called pizza and it was like a focaccia uh-huh. with some sort of like vegetables on top or spanakopita if they hadn't sold out yet and we would get this like plastic wrapped piece of just what they called chocolate cake but it was almost closer to a brownie and I would get like this big tall bottle of this sweetened iced tea and we would take this and we would go to the beach and we would be there all day eating our like plastic wrapped chocolate cake and our weird pizza thing and drinking this iced tea and i can't wait did you do any ouzo keg stands (laughs) no i've never even tasted ouzo i don't think i have either bit of a disappointment there um okay wait what's what's listener liz's other question yeah, what has most notably changed with the way you consume food at home during the COVID seasons, season of your lives? And what will you keep doing and or stop doing once we're all vaxxed up? Mm, gosh, you go ahead. You go ahead. So for, for my family, it's two kind of related things. Like we, uh, we often talk about uh, the, uh, the concept of eating kingly, which means uh, just like eating like whatever the fuck you want because like the best stuff because like if we're stuck at home we're just going to eat the best stuff mm-hmm. um and I, we've done a pretty good job of that of like you know like since we're doing grocery orders which has been the other biggest change because like i used to go to the grocery store every day and so like when we put in a grocery order like we're not really so much driven by what's on sale in the same way we were before just like you know this is what we want to eat we're going to order that um and so like uh, we've been making a lot of pizza, I guess. You know, I feel like I I felt that way about cooking maybe early on. So I never really stopped going to the grocery store. Um, I do sometimes get like curbside pickup, but um, but yeah, I've never I've, I haven't stopped going to the grocery mm-hmm. store. And um, early on, I was spending a lot on groceries because it just felt like, what else can we do for ourselves? Like right, nothing. Exactly. We're like stuck. So I do have to say that I all, one thing that I have noticed that I feel differently about like since since I got vaccinated is wow my like the energy that I'm interested in putting into cooking is, is like at an all time low. I oh mean, sure, yeah, which is probably why it felt so notable that I made this chicken stock yesterday in the instant pot. Oh uh, yeah, I was, I, like, was, I was gonna remark on that. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was. I mean, that was very easy, but still, you know, like. I just I'm I'm tired of cooking. I'm so yeah. I know I said that I, I know I said it many times on the on the show, but I'm I'm like hitting a new low. No, you're entitled to be to be tired of cooking. Yeah. Call up Tony Roma. He'll bring you he'll bring you over an onion loaf. Oh my god, that sounds great. Will I it think feed the a family closest of three? one is <laughs> I it, it kind of will, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think the closest Tony Roma's is probably in like Southern California. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, road trip. Yep. Loaf trip. Hold on. There's a little bit more from listener Liz. Oh, love your work, even though this Australian is sometimes weirded out by some of the classic USA foods that come up. Bit rich coming from the Vegemite Nation, though, I realize. It she didn't give any rich, examples of, uh, of uh, USA foods that are weird, but we've got many. Yeah. 
Um, you know what we've also got? We have cute animals. <laughs> All right. So I chose the cute animal this week and I auditioned a lot of animals for this role. In fact, oh, um, wait a minute. Is this cute animal going to replace me as host? (laughs) Okay, so, Matthew, this first video, uh, these are Scottish Highland cattle calves. And look at them. It's like if a teddy bear became a cow and came to life. Are you looking at this? Yes, yes. And they're looking back at me. Oh, why, these are lovely. Why is this not everyone's favorite cute animal? This week it is. Oh, my God. I mean, look at it. And these are in Finland, and it says, Fluffy calves everywhere. Ilamanakarya vasikoita. And the the thing with, with Scottish Highland cows is that uh, they're native to the Scottish Highlands, and they are they're mostly used for meat. They're not dairy cows, mm-hmm. um, and they are um, they're known for these fluffy, fluffy coats, which help them with the pretty rough weather they encounter on the Scottish Highlands. They look kind so, of like alpacas. Like I think if I met a one of these. Bit. Like, I might mistake it for an alpaca because I don't know anything about animals. Is it just me, or do you not think they look a little bit like my dog, too? They do, yeah, they do look a little bit. This this one looks like an Ewok. Okay, but now the, look at the second video. The second video, you can really video? see. Yeah, oh, there's wow. a second video. So um, they're also known for their long and really graceful horns. These are mm-hmm. adults. And would you just look at these? Is This is almost <gasps> like the equivalent of Fat Bear Week for me in terms of soothingness. Oh, this is great. They're, Here, they're literally just like chomping on grass. They're like, just grazing on a hillside. Let's talk about ruminating. Because like... <laughs> Do you mean thinking a lot? No. Like obsessively about? Okay. No, I mean, I, what I, let's talk about eating grass specifically. Because, like, there's something so primal about just, like, you're surrounded by grass and then you just lean down and eat some. Like, we Wouldn't never have an experience like that, right? <gasps> oh, God, look at... Can look you think of the... anything equivalent that humans do that's like eating grass? Well, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, when they went into that room where everything was edible, that was kind of the human equivalent of just eating grass. That's true, and that was a nonfiction book, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, when I used to volunteer uh, at the at the elementary school library, two of my favorite questions that I would get are, is this book fiction or nonfiction? And like a kid would be holding up um, like you know, <laughs> a book of, like with Harry like a Potter dragon. Harry Potter like, Stone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, so uh, that, that, was, that was it. And then the other one was like teachers would, would tell kids that like um, if, you're, if you're writing a story, like you can't, you can't like uh, write a story based on copyrighted characters because that would be, uh, you know, copyright infringement. I don't know why this mattered for writing. Like were these, were these kids going to publish their stories in The New Yorker? I don't know. Um, so, so kids would come up to me and like, and like hold up a book that they found in the library and said, is this copyrighted? <laughs> adorable oh that's adorable all right so these cows are copyrighted yeah you can't use them as a uh character in your fictional or non-fictional story right and you can't use them as a segment in your podcast Uh-oh. uh-oh. okay and do you have also, a now but wow i do have a now but wow I 
I have been reading a lot about, so, you know, the film director, Barry Jenkins, who directed yes. Moonlight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will have been about a month, uh, I think, at least since I first started reading about his adaptation of the Colson Whitehead novel, Underground Railroad, yes. which he has adapted for Amazon Prime Video. Yeah. And anyway, um, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to watch this. It, um, we, My spouse and I watched the trailer last night because I've, as I said, I've read many articles about notably how he made this without like traumatizing his cast, which I think yeah. is a really interesting and important like to read about discussion to have, right? Because uh, this is a, a really intensely painful story about slavery. So anyway, uh, we watched the trailer last night. It looks fantastic and every bit as gorgeous as I would expect as someone who's read the novel. And I think we should probably all rush out and watch it. So okay. anyway, I'm, I'm afraid of how upsetting it's going to be, but yeah. I agree that I think it's important to watch and will be a great piece of art. Yes. Yeah. And have you seen Moonlight by Barry Jenkins? I haven't seen it. Oh God. That talk about a gorgeous. And, I've seen, and, I've seen like when, when like the New York times like did like, you know, inside a scene from Moonlight, I watched a scene. Oh, that that's really helpful. I mean, it was a beautiful scene. Um, uh, was it the it's scene like the where water. Mahershala Ali is in the water? Yes, it with was. With the boy. Oh, my God. Yes. God. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, I just don't see a lot of movies. Okay. But, well, anyway. But I should. The good news for you I is that- I don't see a lot of non-Fast and Furious movies. Well, Underground Railroad is technically a show. I believe it's in 10 okay, episodes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you've got Amazon Prime- I actually, I'm not sure if it's fully included. I think you might have to pay a small fee if you want HD or something. Okay, well, um, I have my parents' uh, Amazon Prime <laughs> password, and That's so um, they can, in- they- <laughs> it'll be charged to them. Oh, good. Well, they're going to want to watch it anyway. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Underground Railroad, as directed by Barry Jenkins. All right. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can uh, chat with other listeners at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Mm-hmm. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that has two hosts you can tape together. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Well, so when I, I can said- set you up for things, this is it. We work together. <laughs> We're co-hosts on this show. You don't have to set up your own segments. Okay. Okay. Um,